Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Welcome to Radio Sci-Fi, your podcast for science fiction old-time radio. You're cleared for takeoff. Hello, this is Clyde J. Kale of Mystery Play Internet Radio with a very urgent request. I need your donations to continue broadcasting Mystery Play Internet Radio. Any amount will be helpful. Go to www.mpir-otr.com and click on the Donations and Sponsor on the left-hand side of the page. Please, if at all possible, I urgently request a donation today to keep Mystery Play Internet Radio broadcasting these wonderful radio programs. www.mpir-otr.com and click on the Sponsors menu page. Thank you for listening to Mystery Play Internet Radio. There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. Gentlemen, special July cleanup sale. Lovely things, calamine lotion. Good for sunburns. Missing for each. How about binoculars? Street scene. Summer. The present. Man on the sidewalk named Lou Bookman. Age 60-ish. Occupation, pitchman. Lou Bookman. A fixture of the summer. A rather minor component to a hot July. A nondescript, commonplace little man whose life is a treadmill built out of sidewalks. And in just a moment, Lou Bookman will have to concern himself with survival. Because as of three o'clock this hot July afternoon, he'll be stalked by Mr. Death. you what I was selling. <laughs> There's one for you. Thanks, Lou. That's all right, Maggie. Here's one for you, Ricky. Thanks, Lou. 
Now, the Lou Bookman social and ice cream hour takes place right after supper. The regular time now. Don't forget. Goodbye. Don't forget the ice cream now. I saw on the sidewalk today. You were, you were writing in a book. You are Lou Bookman, aren't you? That's right, Louis Shea Bookman. Is there something I can show you? Maybe something in college days? I'll get the... Uh, no, no, Mr. Bookman. I'm not here to buy anything. Oh. Now, let's get to business, shall we? Louis J. Bookman, age 69, right? I'll be 70 in September. Yeah. Mm. Occupation pitchman, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> are you a census taker? Born New York City, 1890. That's right, 1890. Father yeah. Jacob Bookman, Mother Flora Bookman. Mm -hmm. Father's place of birth, Detroit, Michigan. Mother's place of birth, Syracuse, New York, right? That's right. <laughs> My goodness, you, you got it all down in that book there. Hmm? Yes, we have to keep these things efficient. Now, today is the 19th of July, and your departure is at midnight tonight. My departure? <laughs> Oh, excuse me. Hi, Maggie. The key's bent, Lou. Can you fix it? Oh, sure. Come on right in. Come on in. <laughs> Let me see it there. Well, there's your trouble right there. That See that little cogwheel? Well, you've been pushing in that key when you were winding it, you see? See, now, look, now it's all right. <laughs> I'd introduce you two, only I don't know your name. No need. I think I got it now, Lou. Mm -hmm. This gentleman came here to ask me a lot of questions. What gentleman? That gentleman. What gentleman? Mr. Bookman, she can't see me or hear me. Why not? Why not what, Lou? Well, why can't you see him or hear him? See who, Lou? It works great now, Lou. Thanks an awful lot. See you after supper, huh? Well, now, wait a minute. You, you haven't forgot your manners. Aren't you going to say goodbye? Oh, yeah. Goodbye, Lou. Thanks a lot. No, no, I, I mean to the gentleman there. <laughs> oh, it's a game. The Invisible Man. Goodbye, Invisible Man. See you after supper, Lou. I can see you, yet she can. Only those who are to accompany me can see me. Understand, Mr. Bookman? Mr. Bookman... Only those who are to accompany me can see me. Now, don't you think you'd better start making your arrangements? Arrangements for what? For your departure. My departure where? You still don't get it. I just never will understand you people. You get the idiotic notion that life goes on forever. And of course it doesn't. Everyone has to go sometime. Go? You mean... That's right. And what I further don't understand is how little you appreciate the nature of your departure. Think of all the poor souls who go in violent accidents. 
these are the non-precognition victims. We're not permitted to forewarn them. You, Mr. Bookman, fall into the category of natural causes. Natural causes? Number one, I find you a very devious sort. Number two, I think that you're dishonest. Number three, why don't you say what you mean? Mr. Bookman, I've done everything but phone your own undertaker. How much clearer do you want it? If you still don't know who I am, then you're the most dense man I've come up against. Your... your death? Exactly, Mr. Bookman. Now, shall we get down to business? Time of departure is midnight tonight. I trust that will suit you. The preordination is for death during sleep. I uh, assume this too will meet with your approval. You'll find this a relatively simple and painless and barely. Now, noticed. just a minute. I don't want to go. No, they never do. But there's no reason for me to go. I'm a very healthy man. Outside of a slight cold I had last winter and a sliver that festered in that finger there, I don't think I've had a sick day in 20 years. That's as it may be, but departure time is set for midnight, and departure will be midnight. Don't I have anything to say about that? We do listen to appeals, but frankly, Mr. Bookman, there's very little here in the way of an extenuating circumstance. There are three major categories of appeals. One is hardship cases. Now, do you have a wife or family who uh, might suffer beyond a reasonable point your demise? No. No family, no. The second category is priority cases, uh, statesmen, scientists, men on the verge of discoveries. I, uh, I take it you're not working on any major scientific pursuit at the moment. No, no. What's the third category? I don't think you're qualified here either. Unfinished business of a major nature. Well, you don't have any unfinished business, do you, Mr. Bookman? Ah, but I do. Indeed, I do. That's it, you see. I, yes. Yes, I, I have some unfinished business. Unfinished business, yes. I've never flown in a helicopter, that's it. I have never flown in... Insufficient, Mr. Bookman. Anything else? Now, you look here. I've lived in this room for 21 years. And you keep popping up in corners of the room that I've never even seen before. Would you please stay in one place? Is there anything else, Mr. Bookman? Yes, yes. I have never seen a Zulu war dance. Now, that's the answer right there. See, you'll have to give me a couple of months and let me go over there to that Zulu country. And it... No? No. Unfinished business of a major nature. Something a man has yearned for and something he might accomplish given an extension. Well, there is one thing. What is it, Mr. Bookman? Well, between you and me, I, I never made a truly big pitch. I mean, I mean a, a big pitch. A pitch big enough to, for the skies to open up. You know, a, a, a pitch for the angels. Of course, that wouldn't mean very much to you, but it mean a great deal to me. It would mean that for one moment in my whole life, I would have done something successful. It would mean that maybe, that maybe the children would be very proud of me. The children? Yes, yes. I've always had 
quite a fondness for children, you know. Yes, that's, that's all here in the record. Problem here, Mr. Bookman, is that you'd require a delay until... Uh... Until I make a pitch. You know, the kind of pitch I was talking to you about there. One for the angels, you mean. That's right. One for the angels. I'm terribly sorry, Mr. Bookman, but no. Well, you see, these, these categories are fairly specific, and when reference is made to unfinished business of a major nature, well, the only interpretation to be made here is simply that... Well, what I mean is that, uh, unfortunately, Mr. Bookman, uh, an ability to, to succeed in a given professional venture is really hardly of a major... mean a great deal to you, does it? Great deal. Hmm. All right, Mr. Bookman. Under the circumstances, I believe I can grant you a delay. Until? What do you mean, until? Until you've made this, this pitch you're talking about. I can live till then? That's the agreement. Oh, well, I think that's a fine bargain. I didn't get your name, but... <laughs> Oh, now, about this pitch, Mr. Bookman, uh, when might we expect it? When? Oh, s soon, you know. Maybe not this year, maybe not for a couple of years yet, but soon. <laughs> Mr. Bookman, I have the very odd feeling that you're taking advantage of me. Oh, you have? Well, that's a pity. Because I am! You'll never catch me making a pitch anymore. You think you can fool me, eh? <laughs> I'll hardly open my mouth from now on. Really, Mr. Bookman? This is much more serious than you imagine. It's much more complex than you realize what you've just done. Here I've gone out of my way to help you, and this is the way you repay me. Mr. Bookman, it won't just end here, you understand. There'll be consequences, you see. F-Y-I. That means for your information. You made your bed and you shall have to sleep in it. We made a bargain that I don't have to go until I make a pitch. And you'll have to wait till I make that pitch. I can say this without the least fear of contradiction. Have you got a long wait? <laughs> that may well be, Mr. Bookman. But since you won't come with me, I've been forced to select an alternative. <laughs> I swear I didn't see her. She jumped right off the curb and I never had no chance to stop. I swear to you, I never had no chance to stop at all. Well, did someone send for a doctor? Get an ambulance. I'll go.
You're going to be all right, darling. You're going to be just fine. Hi, Lou. Hello, sweetheart. Yeah? Well, who's that man? Do you see him? Yes, Lou. It's hard to tell. She's a very sick little girl, but we'll know soon. She should hit a crisis by midnight. By midnight? I think by then. He won't come in. I won't let him come in. Business in there? I most certainly do. It's quarter to twelve in fifteen minutes, midnight. That's my appointment. Mr. Death, that little girl's only eight years old. I'm ready now. I'm sorry, Mr. Bookman, but I had to make other arrangements. It's impossible to change them now. She's to come with me at midnight, so I must be in there at midnight. And if you're not in there? Oh, that would be pretty much unheard of. You see, if I didn't get in there at precisely midnight, then the whole timetable would be upset. Oh, I know it's unheard of. It's unheard of. What are you doing, Mr. Bookman? Oh, just setting up a pitch, that's all. At this time of night? Oh, I very often have a late sale. Very often. Not many customers. Oh, they'll be here. They'll come around. You're here anyway. Oh, yes, I'm here. But uh, I'm afraid I'm not much of a customer. How do you know? Have you seen my stock? Well, take this lovely tie here, for instance. Oh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> what does that look like to you? Looks like a tie. Well, feel it. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you will feast your eyes on probably the most exciting invention since atomic energy, a simulated silk so fabulously conceived 
as to mystify even the ancient Chinese silk manufacturers. An almost unbelievable attention to detail. A piquant interweaving of Gosma's softness. Witness, if you will, a demonstration of tensile strength. Feel that, if you will, sir. Unbelievable, isn't it? As strong as steel, yet as fragile and delicate as Shantung silk. Picture, if you will, 300 years of back-breaking research and labor to develop this. The absolute ultimate in thread. And what would you expect to pay for this fabulous, I say fabulous, incredible, amazing development of the tailor's art? Would you pay $30 a spool? $25, $20, $10? Or, well, very well you might, sir, if you were trying to purchase this in stores. But this fantastic thread is not available in stores. It is smuggled in by oriental birds, especially trained for ocean travel, each carrying a minute quantity in a small satchel underneath their ruby throats. It takes 832 crossings to supply enough thread to go around one spool. And tonight, at my special Get Acquainted introductory mid-July hot summer sale, I offer you this fabulous thread, not at $20 a spool, not at 10 not at 5 but at the ridiculously low price of 25 cents a spool. I'll take all you have. Sewing needle, John, hard lots of leather, marvelous plastic shoelaces, genuine static eradicator will fit any standard radio, suntan oil, eczema powder, razors, athletes, feet destroyer. How about some nice simulated cashmere socks? All right, all right, all right. I'll take it off. All right. right and now for the piece de resistance. An item never before offered in this or any other country. One guaranteed live human man servant. How's that? For what I ask, you shall receive a willing, capable, worldly, highly sophisticated, wonderfully loyal right-hand man to use in any capacity you see fit. How's that? Me, Louis J. Bookman, the first model of his kind. He comes to you with an absolute guarantee, all parts interchangeable, with a certificate of four years' serviceability. He eats little, he sleeps little, he rests only occasionally. And there he is at your elbow, at your beck and call whenever needed. Mr. Bookman, you are a persuasive man. I challenge any other store, wholesale house or industry to even come close to matching what I offer you here. Because, my dear man, I offer you, I offer you... It's midnight. It's midnight and I've missed my appointment. Give her the sedatives every three hours, Mrs. Polanski. She'll be all right. She just needs a lot of rest now. She's all right. One minute past 12, Mr. Bookman, and you made me miss my appointment. 
thank God. A most persuasive pitch, Mr. Bookman. An excellent pitch. Yes, it's quite a pitch. Very effective. It's the best I've ever done. It's a kind of a pitch I always wanted to make. A big one. A pitch so big, so big that the sky would open up. <laughs> pitch for the angels. That's right, a pitch for the angels. Well, I, I guess it's time for me now. As per our agreement. Well, I'm ready. After you, Mr. Hoffman. Oh, excuse me, I forgot something. I'll be back in a minute. You never know who might need something up there. Up there? Up there, Mr. Bookman. You made it. Louis J. Bookman, age 60-ish. Occupation, pitchman. Formerly a fixture of the summer. Formerly a rather minor component to a hot July. But throughout his life, a man beloved by the children. And therefore... A most important man. Couldn't happen, you say? Probably not in most places. But it did happen. In the Twilight Zone. <laughs>